Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey guys. Today, we are going to talk about Amazon. Specifically? Specifically. I don't know why I paused there. I was like waiting for like applause or something. Um... (laughs) We are going to be talking about falling into the Amazon wolf trap. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So if you haven't used Amazon, you live under a rock. I'm pretty sure everybody uses Amazon to buy, I mean, anything from your cleaning supplies to your toothpaste to, you know. Furniture. Exactly. Dresses. Clothes. Yeah. Purses. Books. Electronics. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Like it's pretty much, you can get anything on Amazon. So we'll be talking a little bit about Amazon and how it might be uh, a wolf trap of some sort. And so how fitting that we have the wolf trap wine that we're drinking today, Mm -hmm. which is from the Western Cape in South Africa. It is a red blend. Um, It is 80% Syrah, 19% Mavedra, and 1% Vignet. So I'm excited about this. I have seen this so many times and I've never had it. This is the 2019 vintage. So it's a pretty young one. Yeah. You ready for me to crack it? Yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, have you not seen this in the store? I've seen it. And actually, I think the last time I was at one of our local grocery stores, I think it was on the end. Oh. Which it was probably um, on sale. Should I aerate it or no? No, I think we're good. Okay. Let's just do it. All right, Sarah, tell everyone how much you paid for this. This was ten ninety nine, um, but I think you can get it cheaper for like nine ninety nine. That's still not a break in the bank. No, um, wine. But yeah, I've seen it a lot of times, and I don't know why I've never picked it up. Um, but today I did, and especially because you know, you like South African wine. I do like South African wine. It smells really good, so I can't really. Okay, sorry. I'm going to pause for one second. I'm going to say that this wins. Okay. You know how like when you open a bottle of wine and most people leave some of the foil on? Yeah. Because it's supposed to catch the wine mm-hmm. that's dripping. Mm-hmm. But I never do that, so I, it never catches it. And it yeah. leaves this horrible ring around the wine bottle on yeah. my white countertop. Yes. Um, this was a crack. And oh my God, it just caught... It, it caught the extra wine drops so oh. beautifully. I've never noticed that before. So sorry. Um, that good engineering. Scores, yeah, good engineering. That scores points in my book. Nice. Okay. All right, let me smell. Okay, yeah. Uh, I can't say the name of the um, winemaker. Oh, can I? Oh, can you want to try? I want to try. Okay. Wait, it's, good for it's you. Bokenhutskluf. That was no, good. No, wait. Bokenhutskluf. That was good. Way better than... We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Vatterkluf from a true. long day scene that we went that to. That is true. I know. These here. Oh, yeah. Cheers, Cheers, friend. Oh, my God. Look at the legs on that one. Mm-hmm. It's like a roller coaster. Hmm. Well, it is 14.22% ABV. God, that's specific. That's on the text sheet. I know the label says 14.5. Oh, that's on the text sheet? Yeah. Oh. Yep. But you know what? 
No. Because I was going to say, maybe they just put it that way so that they don't have to reprint this. However, I do know that we were looking at a different vintage and it was significantly different percentages of each of the grapes. Oh. So, um, this yeah, one no. is way more heavy Syrah. Move, exactly. Move and they the... talk about that, actually. Do Oh, do they? Oh, yep. all right. Did you taste it? Yeah, I tasted it. Okay, this seems like a very... I haven't tasted it. It smells very powerful. Mm. It smells... It smells like eucalyptus. And like <laughs> some sort of red red fruit. I'm going to say actually black currant. Yeah, there's... Oh, no. I can't look at you. Don't look at me. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like coffee grounds. I think that's a good descriptor. Um, can we pause? It's very green. It's yeah. very green. Yeah. All right, guys, we had to take a quick little pause and dump that. <laughs> And we are going to try to aerate it this time. Yeah, we, we think it's a little young. I think that that, yeah, I think that's true. Oh my gosh, this aerator almost doesn't even fit. Yeah, I think it's a little young. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start over. But anyways, as, as we're doing that, so this winery was established in 1776 and it's a farm and it's located in the furthest corner of the French... Franchlock Valley. Mark Kent is the owner and chief winemaker. Do you want to know how the name came about? The wolf, wolf trap? trap? Yeah. So there's no wolves in the valley, but there's other like indigenous animals like leopards and stuff like that. Okay. That anyway, sounds outrageous when you think about a vineyard site. Yeah. <laughs> the wine was created to evoke the mysteries and legends of days gone by. So I guess there's legends of a wolf. Um, oh. Yes. So they have a red, white, and rosé. They're all produced by Roan um, grape varietals. Uh, this 2019 red blend, like you mentioned, it has a higher percentage of Syrah than their other um, vintages, but it looks like the 2020 even has a higher percentage at 84. Oh, my gosh. Um, and their Syrah grapes are produced from the Swartland region. Uh, and the Mavedra is as well. So the Mavedra, I know you're going to talk a little bit about that, but they say that gives it a touch of austerity, red fruit character, and smoky body. Um, and of course, Syrah is spicy and peppery. Um, and then the Vignet, the dash of Vignet gives some perfume and vibrancy. Now, their tasting notes, I got to say, <laughs> there's a lot of words. There's a lot of descriptors. Like, a lot. Taste the aerated one. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't okay. say it's a huge difference. No, it's it's a little it's a little different. There's less of a uh, a lingering coffee ground finish, I would say. Um, but you know, I think there's just like a bitterness at the end that is, is yes. hard to palate. Well, that's why when you said coffee grounds, I was like, yeah, that resonates with me because they tend to be very bitter. Like if you ever drink coffee and you get like the rem- the end of the, exactly. the pot, you're just like, oh. And so 
Um, yeah. I am just not sure. Even reading these tasty notes, I'm just like, what? I don't quite get it. I don't get the where the Viognier is. I don't. I I think that they probably should have upped that to like 5%. Yeah. So their tasting notes say ripe plums, red currants, violets, Italian herbs, exotic spice that dominate the nose. That's just the nose. And then this follows through with a smokiness and flavors of darker berries, licorice, cardamom, star anise, which is kind of like licorice, and cinnamon. The wine is fresh, plummy, and vibrant with hits of fennel seed, orange peel, cloves, and black pepper. Disagree. So there's so (laughs) many like things going on. In that description, I it's just too much. Um, All right, okay. I'm gonna. Does it? Did it say anything about like their winemaking process by chance? No, and I was trying to find that and I couldn't. Okay, so because just from okay, I'm gonna take a step back. Having okay. tasted it and then also having read the tasting notes, yes. even without tasting it, I don't know why. No, I do know why. I would suspect that there is a lot of oak. But not oak barrels on this. Okay, so you're thinking they use like the wood oak chips? chips, yeah, um, or the staves that they you know just put in and leave, like mm, basically mm-hmm. just soaking, um, because we get we get a lot of in the description. It has so many different spices, mm-hmm. and that is one of the dead giveaways of oak, right? Or one of the big contributing um, flavor profiles that oak can offer. But because it's just, it is very bitter, like it does not seem very rounded out at all. No. I am so surprised by this, especially because Syrah makes up 80% of this. Now, Mourvedre, that's also, it's another like full-bodied wine, right? Yep. And I'm finding one website here that says it was Asian French oak. But that's just that it's not their official. Me. It's not their official website. Okay, yeah, that would definitely surprise me. So, uh, man, I'm just not sure. We're gonna we'll sit set these on the side for a little bit. We pour a little something to keep her thirst quenched. So interestingly enough, they are also the makers of a wine we've had before on this podcast. Which one? The chocolate block. Wait, what did we think of that? I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look back. Okay. Let's talk about one of the grapes. Yeah. Let's talk about one of the varietals. Will you teach me? Yeah. I'm okay. pretty sure that you already know this. I mean, Be- but you and teach I me. will. You always teach me something, Jamie. Well, I thanks. I <clears> will <throat> explain why I'm pretty sure that you already know most of this. So, Mouvedre or Mouvedre, the latter is like a nickname. I read on, I think it was on Wine Searcher or something, where it said that Mouvedre is actually, it's like, the equivalent of Zin to Zinfandel. Like, all the cool kids call it that. Ooh. It is also known as Monastrel, particularly from Spain, and then Mataro, which is what it's called in Portugal as well as in different parts See? of the U.S. I didn't know that. Oh, all right. There are a, a number of other names for it, but realistically, you're going to find Monastrel, Mataro, and Mouved. And so Mouvedra is what it's called in France. This wine grape did originate in Spain, and I believe there's some really cool story about it, and monks were involved, but I, and I think it was in Humila, Spain, but I do not recall it off the top of my head. I'm really sorry. But this grape, 
might sound really unfamiliar to a lot of people, but it is very common when you look at those GSM blends and you find those GSM blends. And so a lot of places in California make them, Australia, but particularly the Rhone, right? And Sarah loves her Chateau Neuf de Pop. Yep. And that is what we are talking about. And Cote Rhone too. So yes. And so that is one of the reasons why um, I believe Sarah is very familiar with this grape, but another is because it is also known as Bandol. Oh, mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that part. Mm-hmm. So, and Bandol is one of the favorites at Sarah and Adam's house. It is. Yes, it is. I have yet to try it. I have my bottle here. We're going to drink it. Um, but other, you know, other quick tidbits about Mervedra. Uh, typical fruit play- flavors are blueberry, blackberry, plum, those darker um, berries. Um, other fl- tertiary characteristics we get are black pepper, violet, rose, smoke, Actually, very common to some of the the ones that you outlined in the tasting notes for this particular wine. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm getting any of them, but <laughs> still. Um, gravel and then meat. And we hear a lot like Syrah. Syrah is like a gamey and meaty wine. And so I think that that is one of the reasons why Mouvedra is oftentimes paired with Syrah because it, it, it piggybacks off of and shares a lot of similar characteristics now, it is usually oaked, uh, medium to long oak aging, has high tannin, medium plus acidity, and an ABV between 12 and 15%. So it is a fuller-bodied wine. It is a heavier wine, I would say. And I know that um, people have recommended this particular varietal to drink if you are a fan of Cabernet Sauvignon. That is all well and good, and I, th- I think that it actually does really well on its own. But I agree with you. It's one of those scary things, right? You go into like the wine store. Oftentimes you probably don't find it at a grocery store, but you go into like your wine shop and you're like, what the hell is this? I'm not going to try it because I have no idea. A Mouvedra is a good one, I feel like, to try. Yeah. Um, What's the, uh, is it Burcino? Yes. Is the one that you like? Love it. Yeah. Love it. I haven't had it in a really long time, but it's really good. And it's, that's kind of like one of those like unfiltered wines too, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all I've got to share about the Mouvedra grape itself. Uh, it is a s- very small percentage, I think, by comparison in this wine. So so if anyone's interested it. in Chocolate Block, which we did way back in February of was 2019. Was well, Yes, it was a blend. It was a Syrah-based blend with Grenache, Noir, Cab Sauve, Cinso, and a mm. dash of Vignet. Oh, okay. We gave that a three and a half stars out of... Five, three and a half corks. I can't believe I said stars. How dare I? <laughs> three and a half corks out of five. How dare um, me for not catching you? And uh, yeah, we we liked, we paired it with some sea salt chocolate. That was our chocolate pairing episode mm. that we did. And I remember that was pretty good. So I don't know. I'm going to tell, go ahead right now and say this, this is not going to be getting three and a half corks. I do not disagree. <laughs> But, but like I said, let's just leave it on the side. It could just be, and I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, it could be because it's very young. Well, then they should age it longer. So a lot of wine vineyards will actually hang on to their wines until they feel that yeah, they're ready. they're ready. Because they know that certain markets, particularly the U.S., people go to the store, they buy a wine, they're going to drink it within the next week. Mm-hmm. Most people do not buy wines and actually cellar them or lay them down for as long well, as they're Well, also, who's to. cellaring a $10 bottle of wine? 
Yeah, no, I totally understand that. However, it is one of those things where it costs more for the vineyard to actually hang on to the wines for that much longer. However, I think it actually behooves them to do that because then people aren't drinking the wine when it's really not ready. I mean, it hasn't evolved enough in the bottle in order for it to be really drinkable. And that actually can have, I think, worse impacts on a vineyard because people are like, oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. When in reality, if the vineyard hung on to it for like an extra year or two, released it, people would be like, damn, that's a good fucking wine. So, anyway. Moving on. Moving on to our topic. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Amazon. I recently heard a podcast where they were talking about Amazon and it's very poor working conditions. And I thought maybe we should delve a little into that and see, you know, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I use Amazon all the time. I mean, like, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's become a things. thing. Listen, I'm like a last minute shopper mm-hmm. for a lot of things, both like things that we just need in the house and also like gift wise and mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. I would argue that there's not much that's better. However, we can talk about it. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to like beat the next day delivery or two day. Although, have you noticed it has gotten a little slower? And they try to incentivize people. Ooh. Because we they live in try Mo- to incentivize people to delay. Yes, their they do. And we live in Milwaukee, and the fulfillment center is not far from here. It's only like 45 minutes away. True. But how often does your stuff actually come from there? I don't know. Mine doesn't. How do you know that? Because you can track it. Oh. Mm-hmm. I never do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not every package, but the one that I was supposed to get today. <laughs> I just looked, and it's in Illinois. Oh, okay. It came from Texas. Oh, okay. All right. So, anyway, they have so many fulfillment centers now across the country and across many countries. I think in order to reduce that travel time, mm-hmm. and so they can... They can do the delivery because so they're doing their own shipping and delivering. They're not depending on UPS or FedEx or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows who Jeff Bezos is, right? Yeah, owner, founder, Amazon. Apparently, he founded it in 1994 in his garage. Is that real? I, that's what it said on Wikipedia. Okay, it may not be 100 percent real, but I feel like that's the story with every freaking person, right? Bill Gates. Actually, I don't know if that's true. Was okay, he in his so Microsoft. Apple. That was a garage. Too See bad I don't have a big enough garage to spend a lot of time in. Maybe I'd be coming up with I'm some like, like people put their cars? billion dollar ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the reason why. You need to get <laughs> a bigger garage. Uh, so apparently it started out as um, an online marketplace for books. Why yeah. do I not remember this? Well, okay, so I do remember, like, granted, I wasn't in college in 1994, but I do remember when I went to college that, like, Amazon, although half.com, which was an eBay, or half.ebay.com, something like that, these were two sites that I used to buy some of my textbooks at a reduced cost. Okay. I do remember that Amazon existed. I didn't buy everything from it, but it certainly was one of the earlier things. And then remember... Like the Kindle. I don't know when that came out, but I feel like that was one of the early like Amazon products like of their own. Yeah. In order to, I think, increase the the readership. So anyway, 
um, yeah, books were the basis of this company, which well, is... Well, fast forward yeah. to present day, and it's the largest internet company in the world. It's the second largest private employer in the United States, and it's the world's largest online marketplace, as well as AI assistant provider and live streaming platform. Okay, the push to buy everything Amazon Echo makes me... I can't. Crazy. I can't. Like, even, you know there's even one for kids. No. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, why do I want, I'm sorry, but I don't trust them. No. They've got to be listening. We've talked about this in prior podcasts. You know what? We could take this to a different thing. There's a thing, I'm just going to put it out there. There's a thing called Amazon Sidewalk that just started in June. What is that? It essentially connects your Echoes, your Ring, doorbells, tiles, which are the little things that you can hook up yeah, to. Yeah, we have those mm-hmm. um, when Adam loses his keys or mm-hmm. wallet. Mm-hmm. Basically, it connects all of these different devices that are Amazon, basically Amazon owned and operated, so that it creates a shared network that helps devices work better. AKA spy on you. AKA surveillance. And so... If you read if you read stuff on it, it basically says like, oh, if your internet goes down, you know, this can connect to your neighbor's Wi-Fi so that you're not down, you know, it's not problematic. But let me tell you, that is, but that is like not the actual reason why they're doing it. If my it. internet's down and I want to use my neighbor's internet, I'll go across the street and ask them. Or don't fucking use their internet. You don't need internet constantly. Right. I know that sometimes it's better with it. I get it. Well, I guess if you have work or something and you need to be on there. Sure, but like we we as a society need to have this like understanding. There are reasons why. Like there are power outages. Stuff goes down. Mm-hmm. Technology is not reliable. Nope. So that means that sometimes people just need to be disconnected. And that I think should be okay. Yeah. Anyway, that is not the focus of today's podcast, but it is certainly something that is alarming and just had to mention it. So if you're interested, look it up, Amazon Sidewalk. Well, today we want to focus on how they're treating their workers. Yeah. But Sarah, there are, I mean, the treatment of the employees is yeah. certainly one of the things that is problematic. I was unaware that there are, like I found so many other controversies about Amazon itself that oh, I was I'm unaware sure. of. Like what? Um, supplying law enforcement with facial recognition surveillance tools. Amazon's doing that. Um, forming partnerships with the CIA for what other purposes? I don't know. Um, leading customers away from brick, um, brick and mortar, like bookshops and other stores like that. I mean, sure. That's pretty obvious, right? Another thing that they've done is deleted content that was purchased by Kindle users. So like... Highly debatable books. I think some of those banned books. I read like the book 1984, An Animal Farm. Okay. They just deleted it from people's accounts. Like made it no longer available. Um, Did they give them a refund? No, they probably did it silently. And then there's a whole thing about like the environment and the impact. And now I am, I don't know a whole lot about environmental impacts, but apparently Amazon emitted 44.4 million metric tons of CO2 in 2018. So I imagine that's horrendous. Um, Apparently after that, there are, um, there were some 
efforts by the company to reduce that CO2 footprint. But um, at any rate, it, that's just another complaint um, in controversy with the, the company that I think just goes, it gets brushed underneath the carpet, right? But like you said, Sarah, the focus of today is talking about its people, its workers, its employers, yep. or employees. There is a huge thing that they place a low priority on the warehouse conditions as well as poo-pooing and doing things that I think are probably unlawful regarding um, unionization efforts by their employees. So there are a lot of things that have been in the news um, actually over the past couple decades. I didn't realize it had been that long. I thought this was all recent. Doesn't that make it even more sad? Yeah. I thought like the past couple decades. Mm. I thought this was like... All right. So like what did you see that prompted us to do this episode. Yeah, so I was listening to this podcast, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, a thing. They were talking about how Amazon workers couldn't get bathroom breaks, like, were peeing in their trucks, like, the drivers. Gross. That's so gross, right? How they literally have a tracking device on them that, like, tracks them from, like, everywhere in the warehouse they go, and then, like, just going to the bathroom or, you know, trying to go to break. But you have to walk. Like, if they have a 30-minute break, they have to walk 10 minutes to the break room, and then they have 10 minutes. They, like, literally only get a few minutes. Mm -hmm. That they were defecating in the trucks, and that they are timed so badly that, like, so I didn't even realize that Amazon is doing, like, furniture delivery now. Where, like, they actually will deliver into someone's house and assemble something. For real? Yeah. And, like, that they were timing people. So it would be, like, something ridiculous. Like, three minutes and 20 seconds to, like, put together, you know, a dresser or something ridiculous. What if the person was like, I want it there. No, I want it there. Yeah. No, I want it there. That's the thing. It's like, what? How is that even, like, physically possible? It's not. Also, they were talking about how Jeff Bezos feels like people get lazy after three years. So he doesn't want to give anyone a raise after three years. So after three years, you pretty much... Don't you think that's why people get lazy after three years then? He wants people (laughs) to quit after three years. So there's no incentive to work there after three years. So basically, like, no one gets promoted from within. Like, everyone with the higher-up jobs is not from within Amazon. Why would anybody work there? Right. (laughs) It's a really good question. I don't know what their wages are, you know? So, but, like, he believes in the three-year thing. That's insane. I I know. So they... So So he has... Yeah. He also... um, Oh, I just saw his current net worth. What is it? What do you think? Oh, well, shit. Is it's billions? It is billions. But is it many? five billion? Oh my gosh! Am Thank I way you. under? You're so. Under. Is it a hundred billion? It's a hundred and ninety-two billion. That's his current network. That's why he's paying. That's why he's going to Mars or going to space. Oh. Wow, that's crazy. I'm sorry. I uh, I got, got a little, little sidetracked. I got a little sidetracked because like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Like, what do you? What do you do? What do you do hey, with Jeff, that? Hey, Jeff, an, here's an idea. Why don't you help build this country out of debt? Cool. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. So, anyways. Oh, my gosh. He thinks three years is just that. That's, like, the max for his. That's the max you're going to get out of an employee. Yeah. That, if you treat them like shit. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay. He's only 56. Anyways, sorry. I got a little, uh, I got a little sidetracked. Hey, but there's a petition to keep him out of space. Oh, is there really? When is he supposed to go? Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is hilarious. It's not to keep him out of space. It's to keep him into space. Do not allow him to return to Earth. No return flight? That's (laughs) hilarious. It has already more than 122,000 signatures. Damn. Yeah. Probably half of them Amazon employees. That's Um, so funny. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the sidetrack. I just, I, I saw that and I was like, what the hell is happening right now? That's so many billions of dollars. Jeez. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, Okay, so we talked about the fact that very recently, up until March, right, there have been attempts by workers to mm -hmm. unionize. Now, this is what we found, and we're pretty much going to talk about, like, what's in the U.S., but that there have also been these huge efforts in different other countries by employees for Amazon. Um, The recent one was in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, February and March. And I believe there was like a bit of a retaliation going on um, from that, the employee that was reporting. There was one that I thought was really interesting with respect to the working conditions is back in 2011, I guess there was a Pennsylvania's Morning Call, which is a a TV show, like, I think on the news. They interviewed 20 past and current, at the time, employees um, at one of the warehouses. Okay. And 19 of them had not-so-great things to say about the company. Um, But what ensued was a bit of an investigation, and they noted that the heat got as high as 114 degrees Fahrenheit in the actual warehouses. Employees were expected to perform strenuous tasks and Sarah like what you said like all of this like quick timing and like quick turnaround yeah. and things and then touching so many packages like every minute or so what, what did you say 400 packages an hour or something like that oh yeah it's like every seven seconds or something yeah need to like out completely outrageous package something yeah so despite the heat over 100 degrees they actually had to perform Herculean task basically Jesus um they also I guess cited like somebody mentioned that they were fired because they had breast cancer oh my god yeah isn't that crazy so which is illegal by the way you cannot fire somebody for uh health no that's Um, discrimination it 100 percent is um so anyway so apparently there was this big um there was an article and five days after this article came out by morning call um, Amazon stated that they had spent $2.4 million urgently, quote, quote unquote, urgently installing air conditioning at four warehouses, including the one that these 20 employees um, came from. However, in the September 23rd follow-up story, the employees who were still working there said, yeah, no, nothing's changed. Oh my gosh. Like that was a complete fabrication. Total, total BS. Amazon has done shit. So that was in 2011. You'd hope that since then, like, things would have gotten a little bit better. It hasn't. But I guess the following year, Amazon started to spend millions of dollars investing in cooling in the warehouses. And they say, you know, it's to um, address concerns over the worker conditions. But when you think about it, and this I thought was a really interesting um, 
quote from somebody. It says, Amazon ships a lot of electronics and food now. And, by the way, since June 2012, they now have Whole Foods. And they have, like, refrigerated shit. And they will do all of that stuff. Anyway, so Amazon ships a lot of electronics and foods now. It's not good to have that stuff in extreme temperatures. I'd like to think there was an element of humanity to the decision, but there's nothing in Amazon's history or in Jeff Bezos' public persona that would lead me to think that was the driver of the decision. Rarely has Amazon made any business decisions decisions that didn't affect the bottom line. No. So this was all for good publicity, but really there wasn't a very you know heartfelt decision to take care of its employees. It was... We don't want to have spoiled food or ruined electronics that go out, so we're going to do this just to protect ourselves and our products. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. I don't think things have improved still to this day. No, so I actually found the information from that three-year thing. Mm. So I I forgot that I had read this New New York Times article before I listened to this podcast, and I was shocked because the New York Times came out with this article talking about how the Times is publishing a new investigation of life inside an Amazon warehouse. And this came out on June 15th. Um, and they talk about how basically Bezos has suggested that he's trying to change. Um, well, first, he, first now he's saying he wants to change workplace culture to be the... This is hilarious. <laughs> he always wanted to be the earth's most customer-centric company and now they're going to be the earth's best employer and safest place to work i was going to say i bet this company has never been on top 500 companies to work for i love this how how it's like earth's like i'm sorry are we being compared to like other planets well he's (laughs) just saying like in the entire world he wants to be the top well i mean global Mm -hmm. like i like Mm -hmm. he's like earth like planet earth like we're gonna be better than mars you know that means that he's going to try to open a fulfillment center on Mars. For the aliens. For all the Martians. Now that we know that there's aliens. Right, right. Now that the government's told us that. Anyway, so when he was trying to create the world's most efficient company, he thought another inefficiency worth eliminating was hourly employees who spent years working for the same company because those people expected to receive raises and became less enthusiastic about the work and they were a potential source of internal discontent. So, he thought this represented a march to mediocrity. And that is in quotation marks, I'm just saying. Um, and so, he, said, he, he would say that our nature as humans is to expend as little energy as possible to get what we want or need. So, he then encouraged employee turnover. So, after three years on the job, hourly workers will not, would not receive raises. But they went up until that point? Apparently, I guess. And the company offered bonuses to people who quit. What? They're also saying he offered limited upward mobility, so preferring to hire managers from the outside. So that's what I was, that's what I was saying. So they have turnover that's much higher than many other companies with an annual rate of 150% for warehouse mm. workers. Yeah. Yep. It's so high that it's visible in the government statistics on turnover the entire warehouse industry. So when Amazon opens a new fulfillment center, local turnover surges. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. Okay, so I just think, and I am trying so hard to remember. Back when I was in grad school, I remember hearing about a company. It could have been Amazon. It could have been another company. 
I know that workers were timed. Workers were, you know, surveilled constantly to make sure that they weren't, you know, sitting around on their job. Think about, could you imagine if any of them had their phones out while they were in the workhouse? Mm-hmm. Work, uh, warehouse, excuse me. No. But it was talking about how because of the, again, completely unrealistic expectations of performance and how much they need to pack, their employees were also getting extremely injured. Okay. And so I bet you, Sarah, that this whole three-year thing also has something to do with because after that point in time, if people stay on too long and they get older and older, they're more likely to have those reuse injuries or, mm-hmm. um, sorry, repetitive use injuries. That's what I meant. And so workers' comp. Then they're going to have a shit ton of workers' comp cases, right? That's true. So I bet that, I bet that this is not, again, it's not just a, you know, a very clear one reason why they're doing things right this has this is like millions of different rationales behind their insane requirements and the other thing too some of the other delivery systems they also time and they would require you have to complete delivering all of these packages in x amount of time and if you don't you're fired people get fired so or if you have one bad day at work yeah you get fired at amazon yeah because they also will dock pay and not pay overtime. I think I read in another article. And it's like, how is how can that happen? How do they have so many employees? I don't know. I wonder this... how much they pay. I mean, can we find that out? I, I'm curious. Because, like, the economy is starting to come back. But, like, nobody wants to work because there's various reasons why nobody wants to work. Another podcast. Mm-hmm. However, like, you go to restaurants and they're short on wait staff. And they're short on this, like... There's more jobs now. So you're trying to tell me that these people, I mean, how much are they making? Wouldn't you rather go work at your local restaurant and like yeah, not be killing yourself? Yeah, definitely. Just saying. Sorry, I'm trying to I mean, I don't this. think these people are making six figures. Your Amazon delivery guy is not. Oh, God, no. So, yeah, I don't know. But so what this boils down to, Sarah, now that we know this stuff, are we going to change our Amazon shopping habits? Okay, Okay, I had this conversation with Adam because we were listening to this podcast together when they were talking about all this. That's cute. Yeah. Did you have one earbud and you know? Oh no, we were in the, we oh, were in the car. Okay, okay. No, we're not that cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he asked me that same question. Part of me feels like it's a capitalist society. It's a free market. If Jeff Bezos is providing the best service, well, then come at me, bro, right? Okay. However, the other part of me is like, well, you know what? And I have done this now. If there's another option, why not use that other option to get what you need? I'm not saying I'm going to stop using Amazon, but will I use it less? Yes. Because, like, if I can get something from Target... Or a local store, or local like Ace, my local Ace Hardware. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't I much rather go there and get mm-hmm. like whatever I need? I was gonna say like Target, Walmart, like all of those well, places. Walmart, are, like, Walmart other, like, has big, its own oh, issues. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Target does too. But we're just switching from one big box to another big box, and I do this too. I'm thinking how I can be more conscious about my shopping decisions. Yeah. And, you know, what can I take? Oh, like always, you just said. Lo- always local if you can. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, unfortunately, 
the local businesses have what or what have suffered with COVID. I think about I think about the small bookstores. Like mm-hmm. going back to like how Amazon started or what Amazon started as reselling or a marketplace for books, right? Amazon part of the reason why it sells so much is that it has its own pricing. It will stock certain things even though they allow other companies to do fulfillment. You can still purchase it through Amazon. But Amazon itself undercuts everyone else. And it is putting these businesses out of business. And so it's like you might save like $3 on a book. But is you it could worth go, it? Is yeah. it worth it? And it's like you could actually go and peruse it at the actual bookstore instead of ordering I mean, even Amazon. Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Those places have like shut down. I'd rather That's walk true. into one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, Amazon prices aren't always the best. Was that audible enough for everyone? Oh, Amazon prices aren't always the best. <laughs> They're not. I think there's this like perception that 100%. you're getting a deal yeah. with mm-hmm. Amazon and you're not always. I have found things cheaper on other sites and you're like, oh wait, I thought Amazon had the best pricing. Mm-mm. They actually increase their prices for a lot of things. Oh, I bet now because mm-hmm. Amazon is synonymous with shopping for anything. Anything. And so it's like they don't even have to undercut people anymore. Right. They just know that people are going to come to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so I just found how much they pay an hour, at least for one warehouse. $18.25, which is about $37,000 a year. So, but it's it hasn't really kept up with economic growth. Not surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, that's crazy. Oh, they have some, TOT is time off task. So they're constantly what? tracked and evaluated based mm. on their amount of TOT. Wait, so time, they are, sir. Time off task. Yeah. Which they're means, being, of course, they're, when you're not touching a product. Well, they have tracker. Task. They have mm-hmm. to walk around with trackers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, talk about like. We're already talking about how Amazon has the biggest surveillance for uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. Think about their workers. Mm-hmm. Wow. Man, this is this is really tough. I feel like What do you what about you? Well, I've already so I told you guys, like I'm not I'm horrible. I, I I know that I need to buy things for people, like for gifts, like birthdays and stuff like that. And I wait until the last minute. And so in the past, I've definitely done the Amazon route. But more recently, I've just decided that I don't want to do that. And so like we've had a number of babies being born and like other like kids' birthday presents and stuff like that. So I just go to like local place out in Brookfield and like buy it. They have adorable outfits. They stalk you when you come in, probably because they don't get as many patrons as they used to or would like to. But it's still like, I mean, they have really good quality stuff. And I I can feel it. I can touch it. And I can take it home like literally that day. So, and they wrap it for you, which is really nice. But I have tried to make more conscious decisions about where I buy things and what I buy. Isn't that funny though? How we're like, oh, well. You know, it's not going to get delivered for from like till five days or seven days or whatever. But here's the thing: we can actually like drive somewhere, and I mean, 
and get it that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know stores were closed for a long time. Even if you're not comfortable going to stores, everyone's doing curbside pickup. I mean, yes. I would rather go into a store. But, but I'm saying now, yeah, there's a lot. Everyone's going into stores and like, so we, I mean, come on, guys. Things are open. Like, you can just go somewhere and get it. Unless it's a photo album. <laughs> Did you recently purchase one of these? I was trying to, okay. So, I did not want to buy it off Amazon. But I was like, we needed a photo album for some old pictures. Oh, okay. And I went over to Walgreens because I was like, they sell photos. They used to sell a whole bunch of picture frames. Do they anymore? They only have some picture frames, no photo albums. Really? Then I went to, I actually walked into Barnes & Noble thinking, they should have photo albums. No. Really? I went online, I looked at my Target, and there was like barely anything in the store. Did you go to like Michael's or something? Or like You guys, I resorted to Amazon. Mm. But I really didn't know. I really tried. Like, I I think that think that that is... I I think that they... I just think that photo albums are not in stores. I was going to say, I don't think a lot of people use them anymore because they have electronic photo Mm -hmm. frames... They have, you know, it's like, you don't even need to print shit out anymore. You can do it directly from your phone. You can airdrop things. You can send stuff. Until everything crashes and you have no pictures. Well, Amazon Sidewalk. No. That's why, yeah, that's why Amazon will um, give you, uh, don't they give you credit if you use their cloud to to host photos? Am I making that up? But do we trust him? I mean, I don't know. No. Listen, I feel like I've become more of a conspiracy theorist as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. I think some of it we just can't escape, which is really sad. This is true, too. But that just means that we need more people to be on top of their shit. They but, can spy on my pictures. I have nothing to hide. My thing is... Well, but what if they somehow put a clause in that says that they own your pictures and they can use it in whatever way that they want? That would be messed up. Correct. But I also don't want to lose my pictures forever. Like if yeah. something crashes. Yeah, this is, this is, it's quite a conundrum. Ooh, that would have been another good wine for today. The conundrum. Many people have come to rely on Amazon yeah. for all of its myriad of services. And I think that it's difficult for us when it's so deep-seated now in what we're yeah. doing on a daily basis to actually pause and make a conscious effort to change Change the way that change our habits. Change the way that we operate in our daily lives. Well, but s- somehow we all survived before. It's true. Well, and the other thing, Sarah, you asked me this before we turned the podcast. Before we started recording, wouldn't you be fine if it took a couple extra days to get something so that the workers didn't have to like throw their backs? I out? mean, I would say that's fine for eighty-five percent of the stuff you buy. Yeah, there's only like the smaller percentage that you really need in a few, in like. A couple days. But again, if you really, really need something, listen, if I'm going to get a discount, I don't even know. Um, I'm trying to think of it. You can pay an extra $5 or whatever I was just going to say, on like Aquaphor. Yeah. Okay? Let's say, because now I go through Aquaphor like crazy with the bait. If I'm going to save a dollar on each thing of Aquaphor, purchasing it through Amazon, that that's not necessary. I, I really don't think so. Like in the big scheme of things, like... I could go down to the grocery or to the grocery store. I could go to Walgreens. I could go to a local yeah. pharmacy. I could go to a number of places to go get this. You could also, if you wanted to use Amazon, I'm not saying you should. You could do that subscribe thing. That is also true. Yeah. 
But But I don't know that that's still like, I don't know. I mean, you're still probably contributing to the workload. Yeah. Yeah. It's really challenging because you just don't know. And, and even if, even if like a number of people elected to do it less, like to have it delivered in more time, not less time. I don't know that the company would change its practices. Right. It's like it's like a snowball that's going downhill. Yeah. That no, is just I, picking I, up. I mean, you can go to any of those places you just said and buy buy a few of what you need and, you know, and that's it. It's true. It's true. So, anyway, yeah, I think that it's like Amazon seems like this like wonderful thing and in some regards it is, but when you look at the bottom line, and maybe not the bottom line because the bottom line is dollars. When you look at what's actually helping the company achieve what it is achieving, the workers, if they didn't have the employees that they have, they wouldn't be the company that they are. I mean, come on, Jeff Bezos. You're worth $192 million. Are you Are you kidding me right now? It's Jeff Bezos, but it's also other really high-up people at Amazon. Yeah. And I think it's really unfortunate. And I just encourage our listeners, there are other companies who I'm sure operate like this. I heard Walmart doesn't give employees their schedules until like the week of. So then that means that, and they have like weird hours and shit like that. And that means that the employees, they can't actually interview for other jobs. So they're stuck in this place that they're unhappy and that they have like a shitty work experience. It's just, it's all bad. Support local. Support local. And not just lip service, support local. Like, when possible, support local. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Do we need to go back to... (sighs) Oh, yes. Let's go back to the wine. Okay. It's a little better now. I still don't think it's good. But it's a tiny, tiny bit better. Sarah, I am lacking. I'm getting a lot of smoke. I am lacking... The body. Weirdly, I'm also, lacking the body. All it's of a sudden, so it's kind of sour. All right, it's much more acidic. Well, because we were drinking yeah. Syrah, and it was smooth. Yeah, um, I'm going to say this wolf trap wine has trapped us. <laughs> I just had a weird aftertaste when I did that. It's just not that great. It's Sorry. I'm sad. Yeah. I'm sad. I was actually thinking, okay, I don't think this is going to be the best wine because it's only a $10 price point. We thought that but, it would be you know, okay because I it was South it was Africa. Be decent. Yeah. I was like, well, I've seen like- it. And I see it everywhere. That's the other thing. I I have seen that wine so many times and I've never bought it. it. I don't get it. Yeah. Oh, oh that's disappointing. Disappointing. Well, for all of you listeners who know us, we are drinking a different wine right now. We are drinking a Syrah. Mm-hmm. And it's much more delicious. It's much better. Yeah. So it's much better. Um, this won't be getting a high rating from us. I mean, I think we've been doing this long enough. Where I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's just, <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> and if you are the winemaker and you want to call us and let us know why we're wrong or send us something else, by all means, go for it. Your chocolate block that apparently was decent. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Sarah's on a roll, guys. I am. I've had a day. <laughs> she's having. She's yep. she's laying the honest to goodness so, truth there out. There you go. Um, I know you guys are 
wanting the truth from us. We're 126 episodes in. I think you expect the truth from us. Exactly. So anyway, very right. sad that we had to share those Amazon truths, but it was just like such an alarming thing. And I remember Sarah told me about the working conditions and I was like, nah, that's like impossible. Because weirdly enough, when Amazon Fulfillment Center was opening up here, I was just like, huh, I wonder if I should go apply there and get some sort of managerial because I had already done like my MBA or whatever. Part of the reason why I poo-pooed it was because I was like, oh, that's a fucking commute and I don't want to deal with a commute. But no, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. The parking lot is constantly filled. Oh, that parking lot's insane. On Sundays, oh, at yeah. all hours. It's it's absolutely it's ridiculous. So um anyway. I feel bad for them. I know. Next time you see your Amazon worker or like I don't know. Give them props. Dude, I had an Amazon package delivered the other day from a, like, I think that the truck broke down because they were driving a budget van. Oh, no, they rent those out. What? Yeah, I believe they rent out different vans. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Wow. That's crazy. I don't know. I All feel right. like I need to give my Amazon worker, like, a tip or something next time. If only they we had the same one all the time. I don't know. I feel so bad for them. I feel like I'll give them all a tip. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I think we have some fun things planned for uh, the next couple episodes. So, and hopefully some better wine. (laughs) And maybe wine tasting, testing out glasses. Ooh. Ooh. Doesn't matter what you drink from. Little teaser. All right. So you're trying to say that if I drink from a mug, it might make my wine taste different. Uh, that is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Right. We'll find out. All right. Sounds DVP good. I won't order my mug from Amazon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers Cheers from from the girls of DBP. DBP.